0: This afternoon I proclaim to you the gospel as we confess it in Lord's Day 24 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 24. And there we confess the word of God as follows. But why can our good works not be our righteousness before God or at least part of it? Because the righteousness which can stand before God's judgment must be absolutely perfect and in complete agreement with the law of God, whereas even our best works in this life are all imperfect and defiled with sin. But do our good works earn nothing even though God promises to reward them in this life and the next? This reward is not earned. It is a gift of grace. Does this teaching not make people careless and wicked? No. It is impossible that those grafted into Christ by true faith should not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that includes also the boys and girls who who belong to the Lord here as we saw with baptism. There's two things in church here which sometimes uh, seem to conflict with each other. There's a tension there, an irreconcilable tension apparently between the two. On the one hand, every Sunday morning, we hear the law of God which tells us what He requires of us, how He wants us to live before Him. On the other hand, As we heard last Sunday in the sermon on Lord's Day 23, there's emphasis on the fact that we're saved not by good works, by our good works, by what we can achieve in this life, but by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. So the question then hangs in the air. What about our good works? We emphasize good deeds here on the one hand. On the other hand, we say they don't count for our righteousness before God at all. It might seem then as if faith is everything and we can just forget about the good works. Are the good works important or are they not? The answer is yes. And that's what we pay attention to in Lord's Day 24. And the theme is gloriously saved by grace through faith, but good works are certainly important. And we consider that first good works don't go before us and in the second place, but they certainly will follow us. First of all, our good works don't go before us. Brothers and sisters, you all understand that our relationship with God has been broken because of sin. The ultimate question then, how how can we appear before God then? Is there anything we can do beforehand so that God's just punishment because of our sins might be taken away before we leave this life and end up standing there before his holy throne? Can maybe our good works go before us and appease God before we have to appear before Him? And to illustrate that question, let me use an example from the Bible: the example of Jacob and Esau. You remember how Jacob cheated his brother out of their father Isaac's blessing by deceit, pretending to be Isaac with their blind father, uh, with uh, their blind, pre- pretending to be Esau before their blind father Isaac. And you remember then how Jacob had to flee from Esau because of Esau's anger at this, and how he ended up in Paddan Aram for where he lived for many years, married the daughters of Laban, etc. But after many years, Jacob decides to return to the land of Canaan. Only problem is, that's where Esau still lives, and the relationship with Esau was broken by Jacob's deceit 20 years before. So Jacob is worried about that. So what does he do as he nears the land of Canaan with his family? He sends messengers ahead to talk to Esau. And they come back and tell Jacob that Esau is on the way to meet him with 400 armed men. Doesn't sound good. Jacob is scared. He has a guilty conscience here. But he figures maybe he can appease Esau by sending some big gifts ahead of him. First, he sends a couple hundred goats, then a couple hundred sheep, then 30 camels, then 50 cattle, finally, 30 donkeys ahead to Esau. Each time, his servants are supposed to humbly tell Esau these animals were gifts from his brother Jacob, and those gifts were effective, actually. They were effective. By the time Esau and Jacob met, Esau's anger was gone. Those gifts sent ahead appeased Esau's anger at Jacob's deceit. So far the example. Well, our relationship with God has been ruined by sin. We have cheated God. Is it possible for us to do as, as Jacob did then? Send some big gifts ahead to appease God before we have to meet him when we leave this life. Gifts like good deeds. If we can send them on ahead of us. There are a lot of people who have not still think that, that that's possible, Congregation. The Jews in the New Testament, for instance, figured they could make themselves acceptable to God by keeping the law of God as broken down into hundreds of little commandments about what was allowed and what was not allowed. Oh, they they knew God had to be merciful, but they wanted to also appease God with all those good works according to the law. The Church of Rome is what our catechism had in mind, and that... Church teaches our good works are part of our righteousness before God. But it's always a danger for us to also think that way. That's our nature. We fall into the trap of that kind of thinking. As long as I'm a decent person, I do good things, then I can appease God. He'll be positive towards me in the end. He'll leave He won't leave me out in the cold when I I die. But, congregation, if if we open the Bible, and and then we read something else. We don't read there at all that we can appease God with our good deeds, with gifts sent out before us. God wasn't even interested in the sacrifices and ceremonies in the Old Testament, no matter how many animals died on the altar. That was not the point. David writes what the point is in Psalm 51. You do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. So the point of all the sacrifices in the Old Testament was not to appease God. It was for the Israelites so they remembered their sins and sinfulness, and so that their hearts would be broken because of that. God isn't interested in big gifts we might offer him to soothe his anger against our sins. He's not interested in good deeds we try to send to him to appease him beforehand. You can only go to God, in fact, with empty hands, and a broken heart, as David says in that psalm. God accepts only people who realize they don't have anything in themselves to give him and who look to his grace and to Christ alone to be reconciled to him. That's what he wants. So why can't we offer God gifts? If we serve God faithfully in our lives and really do our best to live according to his commandments and honor him and help our neighbor, is that that all without value before God? Does it mean nothing? No congregation? Our good deeds are not worthless to God? But everything we do, even our very best efforts, are imperfect and tainted with sin. We give first fruits, but maybe we do that grudgingly calculating or we do it with a sense of pride in ourselves look how good i am lord so there's nothing we can do in ourselves to restore our relationship with god not a thing even our best works are tainted with wrong motives etc and we humbly have to admit that that's what the baptism this afternoon teaches us too baptism signifies the impurity of our souls, so we detest ourselves and humble ourselves before God and seek our cleansing and salvation outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. And the Lord's Supper points to the same in the part about self-examination. It says we have to consider our sins and accursedness before we go there. And secondly, examine ourselves whether we believe that all our sins are forgiven us only for the sake of the suffering and death of Christ. Know the our good deeds, we can't send them out before us to God. Even the best ones, they're all imperfect. They cannot appease God. The perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can go before us. And yes, when we accept that, that that Christ's work has to go before us and not our own, then sure, then our works will also follow. And that brings us to the, the second point of the sermon. Our good works certainly will follow us. Again, good works, those that are done out of genuine faith, works that are done out of genuine faith are imperfect and can't count for our salvation. Good thing they don't count, congregation. Good thing. Because if we had to send them ahead to appease God, we would always be living in uncertainty, wouldn't we? How would we ever know whether we have done enough of those good works to appease God? How would we know? But it's so comforting to be able to confess from the Bible that Christ has done more than enough for us. Nothing needs to be added. We don't have to send anything ahead of us. Christ goes ahead of us. But if that's the case... Then the question arises, does this mean it's no use disciplining ourselves and putting forth effort to do our best to live according to God's word and law as we're often called to do in the preaching? Or is the question or as the question is phrased Lord's Day 24, does does this teaching not make man care, make people careless and wicked? That's a very real question, congregation, because let's be honest aren't there things that take place in the church in our own lives that we we take too easy we think to ourselves the Lord will forgive me anyway I think we have to admit that that happens we already think that beforehand but is the problem then with the doctrine of God's grace in Christ or is the problem the wrong way we deal with the gift of God's grace in His Son? We believe and proclaim here the riches of God's covenant promises. Just as little Katie fell without her knowledge in Adam, so she's received into grace in Christ. And in the same way, we're all heirs of God's grace as signified by baptism. But we need to use that doctrine of the covenant in a right way. The covenant is not intended to make us careless and wicked, to let us be careless and wicked and then still expect salvation. No, it's meant to impress on us God's wondrous grace in order to work in us deep love for God and gratitude for His grace. That's why the Lord's Supper, after you profess your faith, it's to impress God's amazing grace through your eyes, through your mouth. Impress that on your hearts so you come to thankfulness and works of thankfulness. And then you realize that the, that the whole picture is that God didn't do half a job, actually. When he gave his son to atone for our sins, he also gave him to bring us to good works of thankfulness. Good works are the fruit of Of faith and salvation not the cause your life becomes a thank offering to God for his grace so brothers and sisters if you really believe then where will then then there will be in your heart that desire that need to do good works too wouldn't there be if there is that unity with Christ then then there will come in you that need To do good works. And those works, they won't be perfect by a long shot. They won't be. But they will come. They have to. And God is pleased with them then too. They're not nothing to Him. They come from faith in Christ. They're the fruit of His living in us. And God sees then His work in us. And He delights in that. In Revelation 14, verse 13, as we read before, John heard a voice from heaven saying, then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Their works follow them. No, those good works don't go ahead of those who die in the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ goes ahead of them die in the Lord. He goes ahead. But what we do in faith certainly does follow us. In other words, the good deeds we do now have value in God's sight, both for now and later. It doesn't leave God cold. What we do here as believers, as members of Christ, if you spend time with your family, you do your best to instruct your children and give them a good example of faith or that you help others and contribute for the needy and faithfully give first fruits to the Lord or if you testify to a neighbor about the gospel of Jesus Christ, do you think that God is going to regard all those things as worthless? That you might, might as well not have done those things? Of course not. Of course not. God is pleased with whatever is done out of faith in Christ. He sees his son in that. The image of his son in you. The fruit of Christ's work. And then he rewards those good works. Jesus stated that too in Luke 6. But love your enemies. He said, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And your reward will be great. So those good works, they're rewarded. They, they, they confirm and strengthen our faith here. That's, that's a reward. And God in his grace rewards them after this life too. And he then rewards the works He himself works in us. And you have to think about maybe something like this like a mom who gives her child money to buy her mom a birthday present. Mom actually paid for it. But when she opens it, she's delighted with it. And she rewards her child with a big hug Thank you. Thank you for your present. I love you. But it was mom's love for her child that brought all that about in the first place. So those imperfect good deeds done out of true faith aren't going to disappear in the refining fire of the last day. No, whatever deeds came forth because of Christ living in us will follow us, follow us there. Those works won't go ahead of us. Our good deeds don't pave the way to God, don't appease Him, only Christ does but they do follow and even receive reward. God rewards his own work of grace in us. It's all grace. So what does it mean for you in practice that Christ gave his holy life for you on the cross? As we remember here this afternoon. It can't leave you cold when you eat the bread and drink the wine at the Lord's Supper then you're assured again, you really share in his sacrifice and that all your sins are forgiven in him. And if you're sure about that, that connection, then you you want to bear fruit for your Savior, won't you? To his glory. And then maybe those those fruits will not be of export quality. Not always as abundant as they might, could be. So it would be foolish to try to build any of your salvation on that, but a good tree will bring forth good fruit to the glory of the owner of the vineyard. So what helps us to serve God this new week? Not the idea we can somehow appease God by doing good things. That'll only make us discouraged. No, the wonderful promise also shown in the sacraments here this afternoon, that Christ has obtained full and complete salvation for us by his cross, and that nothing, nothing at all needs to be added to that. That motivates you. Thankfulness worked by his Spirit. If we've truly seen Christ's glorious salvation here, some of its fullness, then we'll want to do better and want to hear from God's law how He wants us to live. Amen.